Work is no longer just about productivity and metrics. It's about people. And when we focus on positivity, communication, belonging, and development, the numbers take care of themselves. This is Work Human Radio, where we talk to authors, researchers, and business leaders about the latest trends making work more human around the world. Here's your host, Mike Wood. So this is a very special edition of Work Human Radio. I'm joined by Lynn Levy for our Humans of Work Human series. What's your title now? So I am product evangelist and storyteller. Yes. So you were on our product team and now yes. you've moved over to the content team. Yes. But I wanted to highlight you because you have such an interesting story. And that's something that we're trying to do once a month here on Work Human Radio is let's highlight some of the humans. I'm so entertained and intrigued by some of the personal stories that are behind the people that we work with here that you would never know. And I think you can learn from everybody's experience. So, Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where'd you grow up? What was childhood like? So I grew up in Connecticut. I was one of four daughters. My mom stayed at home. My dad worked in the Department of Defense. He worked for a company called United Technologies. He worked in a very top-down organization. My dad is a brilliant engineer. He's got like 23 patents. And he was really good at what he did. But he would come home every night. And it was like 5.45 after we did our sports and part of our homework. He'd come home. And he would be either anxious, stressed out, angry, or just overwhelmed because he worked in a toxic environment where leaders would just literally just yell at him all day for nothing. My dad worked there for 40 years. Oh, wow. So he would come home and we were never quite sure which dad would come home. And we would literally adjust our dinner routine. I'd adjust my homework routine. Like, all right, if dad is in a bad mood, I can't help me with chemistry. What am I going to do? The whole family would be impacted by how my dad came home, and he hated his job. It really wasn't until he left and he began consulting that he really started to feel good about himself. But he worked in a toxic, non-human environment back in the 70s and 80s. And I am on a mission to make sure no human and their families have to go through working in that type of awful atmosphere. There's a direct correlation when you work in an environment that's toxic, where you're almost emotionally abused, that impacts your productivity, it impacts your innovation, it impacts your health, it impacts your family, it impacts everything. It's mind-boggling how organizations can assume it's okay to be nasty to people. I mean, it doesn't make human sense and it doesn't make business sense. Yeah, there's been numerous studies that negative feedback doesn't work. Yes, there has been. Absolutely. That is everybody's go-to for, you know, feedback on something. You point out what's wrong. I do the social media for Work Human. There is a lot of negativity on there. Everybody just wants to point out what's wrong with everything all day long. Yeah, they do. It doesn't work. So your story reminds me a little bit of my dad. My dad, so I'm a quadruplet. There's four of us. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Um, We're all the same age. And I have an older brother too, who was adopted. And So my dad is sitting in his early 30s, and all of a sudden now he's responsible for five mouths. Unbelievable. And my mom stayed home with us. So he's the sole breadwinner. Now, it's a little bit poetic because he was brought up to believe that a man's worth is what he puts on the table. So his amount of stress for those first, let's say the first 10 years of my life is like 
constant work. I thought everybody worked on Saturdays. Wow. But he was struggling to be the best. And right. he, was, he was the youngest VP at his company Wow, in their history because he just worked and worked and yeah. he strived because he had that weight on his shoulders right. and just the stress. I can't imagine the stress. Me, I complain about like the one mouth I have to feed and <laughs> the 20-minute commute I have <laughs> or something. It's amazing. Back then, the pressure, the stress, it would all come home. And it used to remind me of like the Wonder Years dad. Oh, yeah. That oh I was gosh, like, yeah. I was like, that is my dad. That yeah. was my dad. I mean, my dad, as we got older, he changed and yeah. reprioritized and everything's great now. My dad's Good. wonderful. Good. So, and I'm sure your dad is wonderful. My too. dad's awesome. So. Absolutely. <laughs> Living down in Florida, the whole thing. Oh, good. Oh, he's doing the whole thing. He's doing the whole Florida thing. <laughs> Does he have a nice like retirement community? He lives in this ginormous retirement community outside of Orlando. He loves it. That's great. I mean, the only bad thing is about it's just like the other people in Florida that you might run into. <laughs> I know. It's Isn't just funny. I know. The locals who live there, not the vacation crowd. But, but the um, local, the local locals. Every weird news story I hear is Florida man or Florida woman does something <laughs> ridiculous. I'm like, you know, you're going to need to cut this part. Yeah, right. no, it's all right. <laughs> it's all right. If you are a work human radio listener and you're in Florida, you know what I'm talking about. There we go. We love you out there. <laughs> <laughs> so you grew up with this background. You went to, I'm assuming you went to college. Yeah, I went to college. Then I went and got my MBA and I ended up working. I've been in high tech my whole career and I was in high tech around automation. So always looking to improve processes, automate as much as possible. And then when I hit my early forties, I got kind of tired of building software that would basically put people out of work. (laughs) So, you know, there are really two ways to make people productive. You can automate or you can create an awesome environment where they love what they do. Mm -hmm. So I made the choice in my early 40s that I call myself a reclaimer. I said, I want to help people love what they do. So I actually met with my CHRO and I said, what do I do? I have this interest. I have this passion. And he said, go back to graduate school. So I literally went back and got my master's degree in my 40s. Wow. And it was so much fun to be an adult learner is yeah. awesome because I'm doing it because I want to do it. You want to be there as opposed to. I wanted to. <laughs> to be there. And that's what got me here to Global Force. I went, oh, not Global Force anymore. I'm sorry. You're re-branded. right. I'm sorry. That's what got me here to work human. Yes. <laughs> is they saw me. They saw my interesting credentials, a product manager who's been in software, but yet has this very academic background in engagement and communication and leadership which is why I ended up here. And if I was the hiring manager, you would be exactly who I would be looking for. So if you are like Lynn out there, we are hiring for many positions. We keep growing. But as you were talking about automation, quick story, we had a snow day on Monday here. Right. And I brought my daughter at like three o'clock or something over to the local McDonald's that has a play place just to get out of the house. I I Um, hope it were handy wipes. Yeah. Every, (laughs) uh, every type of wipe we had (laughs) had a whole arsenal. Um, So I bring her there, and it's one of the McDonald's that has rolled out the automated kiosk. Oh, Um, interesting. I haven't been to one of those yet. I don't know how they're testing it, if they're testing it by region or whatever, but it's essentially you can either go to the register and talk to someone and say, hey, I want a Big Mac or whatever. They'll put it in for you. Yeah. Or you can double the amount of time it takes to do that and have the non-human experience and just sit at the kiosk, and they will bring the food out to you. And it makes me think, like, 
if they were able to fully automate the entire experience at McDonald's, they would. They would. They would. It would would be, you go into that kiosk, you put in your order, it comes out. It shouldn't be that hard. But Would you go there, though? I would go there. I mean, there's something appealing for not having to have any type of awkward conversation, not having to deal with that. But I think I'd miss it after a while. Because there are times when you meet a friendly person. And he, yeah. And he, like, I would be like, oh, can I have an extra ketchup packet? Which, oh, I have to go back to the automated thing and I got to put that in through the whole thing all over again. And now I'm standing in a line for this gigantic thing for one ketchup packet that I could just reach across the counter and get. I mean, life is a series yeah. of emotional connections. <laughs> so I think as things get more automated, I think you're going to find out, to me, it's going to feel like if you're working from home, for a couple days, or let's say you're primarily a remote worker, and then you get into an office and you see people and you get all excited. And now you're just like excited for no reason to have some sort of physical contact with right. people. <laughs> human co- human contact. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, I can't imagine, like, I've had nightmares where I'm like lost in the woods or I am like on an island somewhere, or maybe it's because I watch these movies like Castaway and stuff. And I'm just like, how would I survive yeah. for a couple of years without talking to anybody? Wouldn't that be awful? Now, a week and a half would be great. I would absolutely love a week and a half. Nobody can find me. Nobody can talk to me. I don't have to deal with anything, but I would start to go crazy. I could do a week a and a half as long as it was in the sun. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. Oh, the woods might be good. Yeah, the woods would be okay. But if you're like in a cave for a week and a half, that's not, nobody yeah, wants no. that. Or the cold. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that human element, people are still going to want that. You still need it. We're built as a tribal community. We are built to interact with people. It's part of our nature. It's part of who we are. And there's got to be a limit to the AI. There's got to be a limit to, you know, throwing these curveballs at the machine by saying, my daughter wants two pieces of cheese on her cheeseburger, or she doesn't want sesame seeds on her bun or something like that. There's got to be. There's got to be a limit. I mean, how much we are not machines. We are not. We need connection. And I hope as a race and as a global community, we get to that point where we say, all right, we're at the breaking point or the tipping point. I hope so. I think there's a backlash on social right now. There's a backlash with people being glued to their phones. It's tough not to be glued to your phone. It is. It is. Literally, they program it that way. Well, I read a lot. I read a lot of Wikipedia. I get Mm -hmm. lost on it. I always look up random things. I read a lot of Reddit because that's how I relax. I think it's funny. It also has news on there. Yep. And to actually put that down and try to be in the moment is <laughs> tough. But it's, I think there's going to be a backlash because, I mean, there's already a backlash with Facebook. Right. Twitter, how many normal people that aren't like promoting a brand or, or doing their own thing do you actually see on Twitter? There's just so much out there. It's too much. Yeah, I think people will start to come back a little bit. Yeah, hopefully the pendulum swings back a little bit more to connection. And I got rid of my Alexa. I had an Alexa. Really? I got rid of it because I swear the thing was recording me and serving me up ads. And I just swear. It's like (laughs) I would be sitting at home and I'd be talking, oh, we need to get diapers. I'd go on Facebook for a second and there'd be an ad ad for diapers. It happened so many times. I'm sure listeners out there that this has happened to you. Don't put me in the big conspiracy theory, but I swear (laughs) – they can hear everything you're saying, and it's very easy to have, like, talk to text. Oh, yeah. Um, and then it goes right, and, and they know who you are. They know your devices. Yeah, I, I swear. It's not out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. 
So we're going down a rabbit hole here. Yes, anyway, um, let's go back um, out of the um, rabbit hole of AI. Of AI. Yeah. But as you can see, we're passionate about what we do here and kind of like what the future of work is going to look it's like. So I think I think that work human, we're on we're this bridge of what the future of work could look like. You know, some of the stuff yes, that we work on. Absolutely. That, that people are appreciated, that people are valued, that they know exactly where they stand. People are afraid of things that they don't know. So if you're doing like a yearly performance review, that's terrifying because people don't know what's going to come up in that yearly performance that's review. That's right. Because I don't remember what happened three months ago, let alone a year. I don't know what I had did this morning. So, <laughs> But if you have these ongoing conversations, you know where you stand and you feel like someone is invested in your development right. instead of that they have to do it once a year. So you joined up with WorkHuman, formerly Global Force. Formerly Global Force. <laughs> you worked on the product team. Yes. And then if you don't mind talking about it, you had a health scare. Yes, I did. So I spent most of my career being a busy overstretched, stressed out working mom in a job I didn't like, again, because I had that career change in my 40s. And I'm convinced the stress of all of those years caused me to get sick. And I got very sick with stage three cancer about six months into Global Force. It was talk about a life-changing moment. I'm literally staring into the abyss Every day I had to choose. When I woke up, I had to choose, did I want to be positive? Did I want to curl up into a ball? I had to choose life every single day that I was going to live and embrace every single moment. And what's so special about Work Human? Working here was actually part of my treatment. Because I could come here and I was surrounded by this community of people who cared, who would say, Lynn, you look great today, even though my face was as swollen as ball. I was pale as a ghost. And they would say, Lynn, you got this. I'd come out of the bathroom and sometimes I'd just kind of trip a little bit, just from chemo. People would immediately be there. Lynn, what can we do to help you? And the great thing is I wanted to work. I chose to work because work kept me distracted. It kept me motivated. And it was the one thing in my life that would allow me to not think about the cancer. So my leadership, they were great. They said, come on in. We'd love to have you. They gave me a great workload. It wasn't too much and it wasn't too little. So it helped me feel valued and that I was connected to the work human purpose. So I felt productive and useful while I was going through treatment. So work human was, I call it as part of my cancer treatment. So most of us listening out there have never been told you have cancer. Oh. As a person, I'm convinced I'm going to get it someday. But what went through your mind? It was almost an out-of-body experience. I was in the hospital room, and I just had one doctor at that point. Was it just like a normal checkup type of thing? Or were no, no, you no. Feeling it, was mass, sick? it was at Mass General. I knew I had cancer. Oh, okay. But I didn't know how bad it was. So the oncologist said, all right, we're going to do scans. We're going to do MRIs, all that good stuff. And then I want you to come back after. I said, okay. I came back. I was sitting in the doctor's office, and literally six doctors walked in. Oh, that's not good. And I said, oh, <laughs> that's never good. I'm like, oh my that's God. That's never good when six doctors walk <laughs> six in. Six doctors. <laughs> that's not good. Six doctors. And the primary doctor got down on her knee and oh. said, Lynn, you're very sick. And it was literally almost like an out of body experience. Like my head, I got dizzy. I could hear everybody talking, but I didn't hear them. Mm-hmm. I had just kept going through my head. Oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. So it was an awful experience. But quickly after that, I had to get my act together because I had the battle to fight. 
I had, you know, I couldn't sit there and curl up into a ball as much as I wanted to. I mean, they only go up to four stages, I think. Yeah. Right? And I was yeah. at stage three. Yep. It's remarkable how fast you recovered. Yeah. It was nine months of treatment. I'm about a year out, almost exactly a year out from the end of my treatment. And yeah, it's been, and like I said, work's been part of it because it keeps me motivated and energized. Yeah. And I mean, and nobody wants to like go up to you and talk about it and, and nobody wants because it's a touchy subject and stuff, but it's just, you know, it's always there. It's always there. And when I was going through treatment, I would ask people here at Work Human, I'm like, it's okay for you to ask me how I am. I'm going to tell you if I'm feeling awful today, I'm going to tell you I'm feeling awful, but it's okay. Someone once told me after someone had died and you obviously offer your condolences, but like, what do you talk about with the person? So they said, you know, ask the person, how are you doing today? At this moment. How are you doing at this moment? Right. You know, not overall, because you know that answer. It's not good. No. Nope. How are you doing right now at this moment? Yep. And if there's anything I can do. Yeah. And there's uh, actually a woman here, Jess Clay, mm -hmm. who would pick up the phone periodically or come over and said, and would say, Lynn, how are you? And I'd be like, I'm fine. And she said, no, really, how are you right now? Are you okay? That's good. And I barely knew her and I got to know her through my cancer journey. And she kept, she was so good. She kept doing it, just checking in and not letting me blow it off and say, I'm fine. How are you at this moment? Are you okay? And what can I do to help you? That's good. I'll never forget my grandmother. So my dad's dad passed away when my dad was 15. Oh my gosh. In a, in a car wreck. Oh. And then he, so my grandmother ended up moving in with my family when I was 10 or so. So like she helped raise us and everything, but I'll never forget. She was saying about that time that she would go to the grocery store and all her old friends and everybody, no one would talk to her because no one knew what to say. There's just a stigma. It's odd. I don't understand. It's tough to go up to someone that you know something horrible has happened to and ask them how they are. Right. But you should. You should. And I tell people, when people ask me, what should I say to somebody with cancer? Should I, should I say I'm sorry? I said, no. I said, just all I wanted people to say was, Lynn, you got this. You got this. You got this. I had um, <laughs> so I, I had a genetic test a couple of years ago. Um, I was working at Global Force. Yeah. Which is now working. And there's a huge history of colon cancer in my family. Huge history. And I had a check or whatever that didn't come out good. And they said, we want to do this gene test for you to find out, you know, if there's, if you're predisposed for anything. Well, I looked it up. Of course you I did. shouldn't. I shouldn't have looked no, it up. No, no. And I the know. test basically, like, if it came back positive, it means I'm going to get colon cancer oh before I'm 40. Oh. So I think I was 34 at the time and I just got married and I was just like, so I take the test or whatever. And the, my doctor didn't get back to me until like three months later. <gasps> Come on. <laughs> so I've been like periodically thinking about this in my head. Because I'm like, you know, if I'm going to go from something, it's going to be from that. There's just too much family evidence and whatever. Oh, my gosh. So, what happened? So I got this call one day and it's my doctor. And he says, hey, I got your test results. And like, yeah, I mean, just stop yeah. you know, listening to anything for a moment. I held my breath. And he's right. like, you don't have this genetic thing. And I'm Good. like, oh, that's great. He says, but it doesn't mean you're not going to get cancer. I mean, you're probably going to get cancer. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god! Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> that makes well, me feel much better. Yeah, hopefully, if I catch it early, whatever, they'll just cut it out. Or <laughs> just like the guy is such a realist that he's like, I mean, come on, look at your chart. <laughs> <laughs> he's... Pretty much. Oh my goodness! No, nah, because my brother actually had his appendix looked weird once, and so 
they went in and took it out because they said he had a tumor on it, which oh is gosh. extremely rare. Wow. And they cut this like sickle cell type of thing. His whole chest was cut open because they had to like look for it and everything. <laughs> but oh my gosh. I'm like, I don't want that. I was like, saw what happened to him. He's fine now, but Good. it's just like, there's all this family history stuff. So the key thing is let you don't know what life has. You've got to love every moment of every day. Do what you love. Work at awesome companies that treat you like a human being where you feel valued and just embrace the moments. Well, I always love talking with you. I'm glad that you're now on our team. Woo-hoo. Lynn Levy is blogging yes. for Work Human now. She had a blog that went up for International Women's Day, which will be up on the website. She also is a coach. She's yes, been I coaching am. me and she's been wonderful. It's lynnlevy.com. Visit it. Reach out to her. I'd love I to hear from you. Love to hear from people. And I encourage you all out there to talk, to really talk to the people around you. Because you never know what life experiences someone has and someone that could contribute to your basic understanding. And right. so we're signing off. But thanks for listening Thank to us. You all. And this is Work Human Radio. And check us out at workhuman.com. Woohoo! If you want to see business leaders, culture keepers, and industry experts come together to share the latest research and ideas for making work more human, you need to be at Work Human March 18th through the 21st in Nashville. Visit WorkHuman.com to see the full lineup of speakers and reserve your spot in the number one conference of 2019.